Finishing sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. You know, what, what, what people are witnessing is that the agenda that President Trump ran on and that we've been delivering on over the last two years is working for every American. Uh, this is a great day for America, and uh, it's all a result of the leadership yeah, that President wrote. Trump's been advancing on the economy. All the bad people in this story are lawyers. Hmm. There's a hero. His name is Admiral Mike Rogers. Hmm. He was the head of the National Security Agency. He discovered the illegal spying. He went personally to the FISA court and briefed the chief judge. If we ask this question, what does it matter to the person at home? If the highest levels of government can trample the constitutional rights and the Constitution that, uh, through which we elect a president, imagine what it can do to you. And now, Stacey Washington. Hey there, welcome, 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 welcome to the program. Uh, yeah, it's Friday, it's Friday, yes. So as a mom of three teens who has had basically an event every single night this week, something has happened every single night this week, which has meant that I'm going to be uh, just completely bogged down for the whole week. Some of it's been wonderful. Some of it's been so meaningful and touching. Some of it's been so awesome, but it's been every night this week. And so I am looking forward to this weekend like nobody's business. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. You're hearing a little bit of excitement, a little bit of rock and roll because I'm ready for the weekend. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being with us. We are actually going to be having, a, again, another jam-packed show. It's Friday, but we're not going to slow down at all. We're going to push right into the weekend where we're going to get a chance to, to decompress, to unplug. But before then, there's a lot of really – there's good news. There's interesting news. There's uh, – you know, we're going to do some analysis on the bar thing that happened this week. Um, uh, by the way, I think he came out really strong this week, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, all of that is going to be going on, every bit of that. Today, we're going to have two guests this hour. We're going to be speaking to Kimberly Klasick. She's a Republican strategist and political commentator. She's been on the show many times before. We love Kimberly. And then Liz Harrington, RNC spokesperson. She's going to call in uh, and talk to us about the bar testimony. And the reason I'm so excited to speak to Liz about that is just because, honestly, we saw something interesting this week. Uh, a, a seasoned veteran of the political arena not really phased by the tricks and chicanery that was, tr- they, they tried it. They came for him and they came up empty. Uh, they brought buckets of chicken, bad attitudes, lies and smears and came up wanting. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. That was great. So um, we'll be talking about that. And also what we're going to get into right now um, is this, it's, it's just so interesting to me when you remember back in, well, this has been a continuing refrain from Democrats and people on the political left that uh, Republicans like to say things like, we're going to take our country back. Tea Party people said, we're going to take our country back. And what they meant was politically take it back from the opposing side. But it was many, many times that people would say, um, actually, what they mean is they're going to take it back from the black people because Barack Obama's black and apparently he owns the whole country. And so that's what they mean. They're going to take it back from him. And it has racial overtones, racial connotations. So the award winning Washington Free Beacon has come up with this fantastic mashup of people saying we're going to take our country back. Some of the voices you'll recognize because it's it goes way back. And uh, 
when you're listening, just tune your ears up just a tad. You're going to hear some people, some of our favorites. Okay, I'll just tell you one. Sarah Palin, when she's like on the stump, they're running for the presidency. She's running for VP. She says, we're going to take our country back. And it was pretty, it was pretty exciting when she said that. Um, It wasn't racial. It was just exciting. And so as a permanently tan person, when I heard her say that, I didn't hear anything racial, y'all. I didn't hear it. Um, So what we're going to do is we're going to listen to this clip. um, And then I have good news for Friday, Friday, Friday. Um, on sanctuary cities in the state of Florida. This is fantastic news. Y'all will be up Snoopy dancing when you hear it. But first, let's listen to taking our country back isn't exactly problematic anymore. It's number four. I want to take my country back. And the question arose, take it back from what? A sense of mission that is just extraordinary to take our country back. When you hear the good old days or want to take our country back, it sends a shiver down my spine. We've got to take our country back. We're taking this back. We're going to take our country back. You know, the idea of take America back, make America great again, really appeals to a certain kind of voter. Are we actually going to take our government back? I actually do think there are enough angry folks. There are still people talking about taking their country back. Unions come together and, and take our country back. I come from one of these states that wanted to, quote, take our country back from those people. Dream big. Fight hard and take back our country. When you hear take our country back, well, what do you mean take our country back? We can take our country back with a democratic agenda for the people. Some say let's take our country back. Back from who? Look, you've got Democrats who are saying this is our opportunity to take our country back. If it's take America back again, we know that the, there's a whole swaths of populations that don't feel that that America was good for them. That you go to vote so we can take our country back. People talk about taking their, their country back. There's a certain racial component to this for some people. Is there? Uh, I, I, I Honestly, so if it's racial when Republicans say it, is it racial when... Elizabeth Warren says it. You just you just heard some of the biggest commentators on the left saying it's racial. And then right after that, you heard Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren and others on the left saying we're going to take our country back. So I think it's pretty easy for us to surmise that when people say they want to take their country back, they don't mean take it back from any racial group of people. They're saying some people who don't have the country's best interests at heart and Democrats believe that about Republicans are currently in power and we want to take the country back. And they do. They actually want to take it back before the election. The Democrats actually want to take the country back right this minute from the Republicans by impeaching the president. And apparently there was this big, long, like 83 minute meeting between the Democrats earlier this week. And, you know, they're the, a bunch of them, really the nincompoops, they're just so enthused about trying to press for impeachment based on the fact that the president did not obstruct, nor did he collude with Russia. Because remember, in order for him to have obstructed something, he had to have first have committed a crime. So if he did not collude with Russia, then what would he have been obstructing? The investigation itself? He couldn't have obstructed that since it went through to its conclusion. But I don't know why I'm sitting up here you know, with these facts and and all this information, because facts don't matter. It's our feelings. Do you feel like you want the president impeached? Well, then he should be impeached because it's all about how you feel. Yeah, that's who we're dealing with right now. So, you know, interesting, uh, whatever. 
there's the good news that I was telling you about. And and this to me, I get I get so excited when I see, first of all, uh, you got this new governor down in Florida. His name is Ron DeSantis, and he's just been so strong. Um, he's he's seems like instead of going in and uh, being, hmm, you know, kind of wishy-washy or kind of stepping away and and not doing what he promised or maybe just kind of getting caught up in the fun of being the governor, because let's face it. It's a lot of responsibility. It's a huge job. It's a ton of work for any governor, for any state, whether it's a small state or a large one, you still have people's lives in your hands, their livelihoods, uh, their, their, their kids' schools, everything. You have it in your hands. But there's also some fun to it. You get to live in a governor's mansion. You get to have a lot of staff. You get to take on a, a lot of um, additional, it's like, you know, the publicity aspect of it. People know who you are. They want to talk to you. There's a lot of respect and reverence that comes with the position. And for some people, they get in that and, and they just lose their heads. Um, now, you know, obviously, we don't know what Ron DeSantis is going to do in the future. We can just go on what he's doing now. This is exactly what has been promised to, to get rid of these sanctuary cities. He's on the Republican side. This is a huge issue for the Republican Party at the national level, also at the local level. These sanctuary cities are actually thwarting the work of Immigration and Customs Enforcement and the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, these criminal illegal aliens, not all illegal aliens are criminals, but the ones that are criminals are repeat offenders. They're repeat deportation offenders. These people are actually killing Americans. And when you eliminate sanctuary cities, you eliminate the ability for criminal illegal aliens to thwart our legal system and go out and kill and maim and rape and hurt other Americans. It's just that simple. So Governor DeSantis has actually said he's going to sign the ban on sanctuary cities in Florida. This is huge because sanctuary cities in Florida are a magnet for family members of illegal aliens. They bring the illegal alien family members in. And then if they commit crimes, they don't have to cooperate with police and police, more importantly, don't cooperate with ICE so that people who commit crimes aren't deported. People who are there illegally aren't deported because if you're in the country illegally, you've committed a crime. We need to always be very clear about that. So the ban on sanctuary cities passed in both the Florida House and the Senate, and it's now headed to the governor's office to be signed. Fox News is reporting that uh, the Florida legislature actually passed this high profile bill on Thursday, banning sanctuary policies that protect Fox News says undocumented immigrants. What, what is this nonsense? Illegal aliens. It protects illegal aliens. Uh, yeah. Okay, so the bill passed the House on a 68-45 vote with every single Democrat being opposed shortly after it cleared the Senate in a 22-18 to narrow party line vote, mostly party line vote. Um, He supports the measure. He's expected to sign it. He actually responded on Twitter last night by saying, I thank the Florida legislature for presenting me with a bill that upholds the rule of law and addresses sanctuary cities. And... Uh, cities and counties in Florida. We are a stronger state when we are protecting our residents, fostering safe communities and respecting the work of law enforcement. You got to love that on a Friday. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's some good news for us to be just, you know, we can Snoopy dance on it. We can get, we can get our happy on. It's two good news Fridays in a row. Last Friday, we were rejoicing over the fantastic results of the spring share This Friday, we get to be Snoopy dancing and killing it over here over this news from Florida. 
Hopefully other governors will take a little bit of that moxie that he's spreading out so wide and far, and they'll take it upon themselves to do similar actions. If you live in a state where there are sanctuary cities, we have to pray, obviously, for wise leadership and that people would step away from the sinful kind of repudiation of the rule of law through the the support of sanctuary cities and that governors and those who are in a position of authority, namely the state legislatures, would move to prevent sanctuary cities from becoming the policy in their state. That's what it's going to take. We can't rely on the federal government for everything. We can't expect President Trump and the Trump administration to do everything. Some of this work needs to be done at the state level. And the other thing that state legislatures can do is make sure that no state dollars that go to welfare and aid, uh, any kind of welfare that comes from the state government, that none of that money can be received by people who are in the country illegally. That should be a no brainer. If you're here illegally, you can't live in public assisted housing. You can't receive welfare benefits. You can't do any of that stuff until we get to that place. Um, we're going to continue to see, well, we're going to continue to see sanctuary cities and, and upticks in illegal immigration. Now that was fantastic. Um, good news. And we also talked yesterday, just a minute about the Baltimore mayor resigning after the feds raided her home. Um, we, Mentioned the whole Facebook ban thing. And I'm still just as like circling back around to that from yesterday because we, we had a good interview on the subject. But I, I just want to point out. So the idea that we would turn Facebook and those platforms like Twitter into utilities and regulate them like that is just ridiculous. I've seen some other conversation about people saying, you know, if we can force we, we sound like what we say about the the gay marriage proponents or that, you know, the redef- redefinition of marriage people who they want to force businesses to serve same-sex couples for weddings. And we have been very strong on the political right as conservatives, as Christians, and saying you can't force people to bake you a cake, to decorate your wedding, et cetera, et cetera, if it goes against their closely held, uh, you know, faith traditions. Well, they're saying that this is forcing a private entity like Facebook to serve someone that they find repugnant because Facebook does find conservatives repugnant. That's an interesting take on it that I hadn't considered. And it goes back to the fact that Facebook has done all of these wrong things. And yet we all, including myself, continue to use their service. I guess we're probably going to come to a place where we have to make the decision to no longer use them instead of waiting for them to throw us off. Interesting, right? Okay, we'll be back with Kimberly Klasik right after this. It's amazing, but true. When it comes to one of America's biggest household expenditures, health care, a lot of people think they've got no choice. People are used to thinking we have to do it this way, but they don't. Yes, you have the freedom to choose an alternative with your health care. It's MediShare, and it costs way less than the alternatives. The typical family saves $500 a month, not a year, a month. And if you're single, this can save you a lot too. And let's face it, a big reason MediShare is 400,000 people strong, it just works. They've shared over $3 billion in medical bills, so they can help share your needs too. Joining MediShare for so many people is one of those things that makes you say, why didn't I do this before? So yes, the time has come for something better. Look into joining MediShare and see why so many people are opting out of the old way and into the new. Why not look into this? Just call 855-PSALM-23. That's 855-PSALM-23. 
855-PSALM-23. Hi, I'm Crawford Luritz with a Legacy Moment. My Uncle Henry was a confirmed bachelor. He loved his freedom. He felt being married would tie him down and clip his wings. Then it happened. You guessed it. He was almost 50 when he fell head over heels in love with Elsie. They got married, and in fact, I performed the wedding. After they were married, he said to me with a little sheepish grin on his face, she's the one I've been waiting for my whole life. Isn't that something? He's the last person in the world I ever thought would get married. And come to find out all the time he was waiting, he was waiting for the right person. Yes, indeed, there's a lot of truth to that saying, good things come to those who wait. That also reminds me that impatience causes us to make half-baked emotional decisions that are sometimes disastrous. Waiting is a wonderful friend to a purposeful, effective life. In fact, Psalm 37, verse 34 says exactly that. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. I like to point out that, first of all, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. Wait for the Lord. While we wait, we must concentrate on obedience. Hang in there. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. The second observation is that there is a promise of waiting. He says, wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. There's a special favor that comes when you move in lockstep with God. But when you get out of line, you also take yourself out of line of his blessing and favor. Here's what I want you to remember today. Waiting on God is not wasted time. Ask Uncle Henry. God is preparing us and preparing something for us. So take a seat and relax. More information about the ministry of Crawford Loritz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. We have so much awesomeness for you today on the program. And I want to make sure and uh, share with you our encouragement for today is um, Matthew 18, 19. If two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. And I'm sharing that one because it occurred to me that when we're talking about praying over our meals, we're probably eating together. And that's two or more of us gathered together and praying over some of these issues that we're facing. All of these issues, really, we take them to the Lord in prayer and we do that over our meals. And that is supercharging our prayer lives and relying on God in a way that we, we can only expect him to answer our prayers and to bless us for that obedience. So it's Matthew eighteen nineteen. If two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. So take that with you on a Friday, Friday. <laughs> All right. It's my pleasure to welcome our next guest to the program. It's Kimberly Klasick. She's a Republican strategist, political commentator, frequent guest on Fox News and Fox Business. Kimberly, thanks for joining in today. Hi, thanks for having me. How are you? You know, I'm pretty good because it's Friday and I looked at my calendar. <laughs> I'm double checking just to see if anybody added anything. Don't you dare add anything. I don't have anything tonight. I don't have anything yeah. on the calendar tonight. I'm so <laughs> relieved. I, I usually I look forward to like, oh, I get to not today. I'm ready for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So, OK, um, I actually let me just look here real quick because I thought I was talking to Demetrius. Oh, OK. So 
one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, because you are from the Baltimore area, correct? You, you, mm-hmm. you live in Baltimore, um, is Absolutely. your mayor. Yeah. So your mayor just, what's going on with that chick? Like what, what is going on in Baltimore? I know, I know. Corruption, corruption, you know, and what's so sad about it. And I think this is kind of the culture in Baltimore city, but he actually got caught. And, mm. you know, once you get caught, you know, people will pile on because I think they know that it's been going on for so long and they're just like, oh, wait, here's here's someone that's been corrupt. Here she is out center in front and, and you know, don't look this way. Just keep looking at her. <laughs> so people have been piling on and everyone's calling for a resignation. She finally resigned yesterday, uh, which is, you know, something that she probably should have done weeks ago, but I'm so glad that she finally did, um, you know, trying to, you know, basically playing the game pay to play. You know, we see that all the time. But when you get caught, you get caught. And I thought, honestly, it was kind of cowardly of Mayor Pugh to not resign personally. She had her lawyer do it, you know, at a mm. press conference. So we haven't seen her since she went on her indefinite leave uh, from a bout with pneumonia that she said she had about a month ago. Apparently she says she's still sick. But mm. I thought that was really cowardly of her to not at least resign in person um, and just send a note with her lawyer. But you know what? <laughs> it's done. It's a done deal. And hopefully we can move forward. Okay, so yeah, I, I have to echo your comments. I I think the people of Baltimore deserve someone who's more concerned with writing some of the things that are happening there in in the city. Like the city of Baltimore used to be just a fantastic place to live, and now they're suffering yeah. from some of the same kinds of ills that we see here in the city of St. Louis, where my husband and I we live in the suburbs, but the city of St. Louis is it's integral to how we live here in a metropolitan area. And I think it's the same for Baltimore. You have a lot of beautiful suburbs there, but the city is in need of good leadership. Absolutely. And, and you know what? Our interim mayor, that is now uh, you know, being sworn in as mayor, he's, he's uh, Jack Young, the president of city council. He's actually done a great job thus far. You know, he's hit the ground running. So he's in Detroit, I think, this week, um, just trying to see what he can do and get for us in the city of Baltimore. I think they're kind of figure out uh, different ways to do federal funding and grants and to help in the city. So I'm hoping that he comes back with something and some good news because he's been, you know, at the crime scenes, you know, giving people updates. This is things that Mayor Pugh acted as if he was too good to do. Um, so he's done a great job thus far. He let seven people go out of her administration uh, that were involved in some of this corruption. So, you know, he's done a lot since he's been there. And so I, I look forward to seeing what he's doing uh, in the near future. Fantastic. Okay, so that's the local angle because you just happen to live where this, you know, this news story is kind of breaking onto the national scene. But I was dying. I'm like, I'm totally waiting to hear what you have to say about how Barr, he rode through Capitol Hill this week and he was having none of it. I mean, he just was his own man the whole time. What do you think the Democrats are going to do now that he's shown them that he really isn't afraid of them? You know what? I don't know what they're going to do. I know they had a fit because he didn't come before them again uh, for these questions that, honestly, you know, he can try to answer some of these questions, but I think the person they really want to talk to is Mueller, and I don't know if they're afraid to have him come or even ask him to come before Congress, but, you know, the person they want to speak to is Mueller. And, you know, before, Mueller was this great white knight. He's going to help us against Trump. He's this great guy. And now that he's you know, put the support through it and had Barr read it and say, look, there's no evidence of collusion. You know, move on. So now they're kind of like, wait, what happened? What happened to our, 
our impeachment. <laughs> what are we going to do now? So, you know, now they're grasping at straws, but I'm glad that he held his own, and it seems the president's very proud of him for doing so. So uh, if they want to try to call Mueller, I think they should, but I think they should give it up and, and really focus on 2020, the election. <laughs> okay, so speaking of 2020, because you, you got that, you, you totally summed that up for what, what they should do. I agree with you. I wish they would listen to you, Kimberly. Um, so let's talk about Bill de Blasio. Apparently, he's going to join in. At, well, he must be number 21 or 22, who's running for president on the D side. What are his chances? Well, I think sometimes, and I don't want to say for sure, but I think sometimes people enter these races hoping to just be extremely relevant, right? Uh, de Blasio, what has he really done for New York City? Um, you know, you hear people that actually live there, I mean, you know, I'm in the Baltimore area, but they say, you know, it, there's more trash on the ground, the crime seems to be rising again. Um, so I don't think that um, he really has a shot. I know he'll try to, to do it and raise his profile, but I, I don't think he can be serious about it. I don't know. What was your thoughts? Well, I, so he's already famous. He's already rich. Uh, sometimes people run for president because they want to raise their profile. Sometimes they run because it, it it is a very lucrative enterprise. And if you mount a credible campaign, it can bring opportunities that can really propel you into becoming a rich person. Um, so yeah. those, but he already has those things. He's already rich. He's all, already famous. So it seems like he might be running to push a certain agenda. But as you mentioned, he hasn't done a good job for New Yorkers. New Yorkers are not singing his praises right now. So I almost feel like he's, it's almost like he's, you know, he's so much bigger than the average American citizen. Like he's so much bigger than all the stuff I have to do. This is, these are not things that are on his plate that he's concerned with. So in his mind, like if I was thinking I'm redoing these bookshelves over the weekend for him, the equivalent of redoing his bookshelves over the weekend is mounting a presidential campaign, you know, and, and kind of going on TV a lot. You see what I'm saying? Like he's so outsized, but it doesn't, it doesn't mesh up with what we're looking for because as Americans, whether we're regular people or whether, you know, we're wealthy, all Americans are looking for some solutions to the problems that are facing us as a country, the opioid epidemic, the Southern border, um, yeah. And some of our social policy. And, and he did, he's not an expert in any of those. Great. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Huh. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know why he's running. Um, and, and so, <laughs> you know, I just I keep looking at him. I'm thinking he doesn't even present a good face for running. There's nothing about him that makes me say, oh, you know, I'd like to listen to what he has to say or give him a look. Right. Right. No, you're absolutely right. He's not an expert or anything. I'm, I'm just trying to think right now. Has he said anything about immigration or, or anything? I don't know if he has. <laughs> I'm yeah, really trying to think of what. Yeah, we're what coming up blank. We read the news all day, every day, right? <laughs> you read the news all day, every yeah. day. So do I. And we haven't yeah. heard Jack Ola from him. We don't know what he's about. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. So, you know, if we don't know, Kimberly, Americans who do their news in regular amounts, <laughs> people who are not yeah. like us, obsessed with it, they don't know either, which I guess is probably a benefit to us. We should be glad he's not doing a good job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, that's true. That's true. All right. So the other good news from today that I'm just crowing about is even on Drudge, because Drudge has been a little tough on the president these past few months. Like, I get the feeling he's not happy with President Trump, uh, Matt Drudge, but it... 
he's got his headline over at Drudge, envy of the world, unemployment, 49 year low, wages hitting 27.77 an hour, stock market endless rally, Trump approval 50%. Could the president yeah. be doing any better? I'm I'm just wondering yeah. if I'm going to get tired of winning. <laughs> I'm not tired yet. Not at all. Yeah, we haven't seen these numbers since the 1960s. So I don't understand why people are so tough on him. I guess they just want, they're hoping probably that people read these articles and they believe what they're reading, right? That he's not doing a great job. But he really is. If people really dive in, they could say, okay, this is actually fake news once again. Uh, but he's doing an amazing job. And uh, to me, I think it only gets better from here. He's got so many things on the books. Um, we, I don't think we've seen half of what he's going to be doing with this first step back. And the Urban Revitalization Coalition, they have a lot of things that they've been working on that I think is coming up next month. So, you know, we're just going to start seeing so many more good things coming out of this administration. And I'm excited, you know, people can keep talking trash about him, but he's doing such a great job. You know, I, you, you're, you even brought in, you looped in a couple of subjects that... Um, it, at first I was a little reticent. I was like, what's going to happen with the first step back? I see Van Jones. I see, you know, I see leftists gathering around. How could it be good? But so far mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, I've been very cautious. I'm like, well, is it going to benefit while still giving, you know, true, um, rehabilitation to our hardened criminal element? And what I'm seeing so far is people who've been incarcerated for lengthy amounts of time, longer than rapists, longer than people who, you know, it, torture kids and animals these people are mm-hmm. now being released and given a second opportunity at life at, in america which we believe in that and it's mm-hmm. really helping people which i'm i'm excited to see that i'm i'm relieved and, and happy for this success for the president in this initiative yeah absolutely and, and even a, a further piece which is you know i live in baltimore i run a nonprofit helping women that come out of incarceration the further piece that was so needed and then you put in there was giving them the job training and the skills necessary to get not just a job, but go on to get a career. And so sometimes, you know, you see these programs where people are released into society, but they end up being uh, arrested within five years, I think, is the study, 78%, um, because they don't have that training and the skills to get a job. You know, if you've been locked up for 20 years, how much do you know about technology, right? So he's putting that piece onto it. Um, Secretary uh, Dr. Carson, he's now doing something with HUD, uh, making sure that Americans have a better opportunity for affordable housing over illegal immigrants. That's huge. Um, I don't know the exact percentage and numbers on that, but apparently that has been a problem. He's, you know, diving into that. So this administration is doing a great job. And no matter what anyone says, I, I hope people actually real read the real news and not the fake news. Yeah, I agree. Um, I See, it's so the point that you make, especially since you're working with women who are coming out of prison, these are women who they want to make a transition back into regular life and become successful. They don't want to be, uh, you know, a part of that recidivism number that you quoted. And I think it's such mm-hmm. important, vital work. And, and I'm so glad that you're doing it because I think sometimes, but well, it, it's good when anyone attempts to do it, but sometimes it needs to be within the community, if you know what I mean, to kind of have yeah. more of a connection there. And there are a lot of different organizations out there doing that work, but it's wonderful to hear about you doing it women to women because uh, women in America you. are also incorporate, incarcerated and that's, that's important. Um, so thank last you. subject I wanted to run through today, <laughs> Kimberly, mm-hmm. Facebook has banned Farrakhan. Washington Post said, uh, Washington Times said he's, a, no, Post. Washington Post said he's a right winger. 
uh, Farrakhan, the man who <laughs> hates Republicans. But anyway, and yeah. we're talking Alex Jones and some others who, you know, they've had their moment in the sun and said some crazy stuff, you know, yada, yada, yada. But Ilhan Omar and Tlaib and others who have really said anti-Semitic things and Zuckerberg is Jewish. They've still got Facebook uh-huh. accounts. So what is what are we looking at here? Yeah, I mean, this just feeds in the fact that everybody, not everybody, but a majority, um, it has to do with the social platforms, Hollywood, you know, whatever people are entertained by, basically, you know, they're going to push this liberal narrative. And unfortunately, you know, like, yeah, yeah, Alex Jones, is usually, he is an extremist, you know, he's over there. But I, I, I read somewhere that uh, Laura Loomer, she mm-hmm. lost her Instagram account for things that she said. Um, I don't know. I think it's just another way to control the minds and the masses, you know? So it's, again, those people that might question uh, what the liberal narrative is, you know, what's better way than to make sure that they can't do it publicly. So it's sad, and it, I can't believe they posted that Huracan <laughs> was a right-winger, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping they, you know, fix that immediately and hopefully apologize. <laughs> I know. I thank you. They, we need an apology <laughs> because insult. that guy is not one of us. You know, I'll I'll yeah. take Paul Joseph Watson any day, right? He's he yeah. used to be yeah. at Infowars. He might still be there. I don't know. I mean, I'm someone. I've been on Infowars programming before on David Knight's program. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Alex Jones probably would have had me on if if it weren't for my my comments about Michelle Obama, where I said, you know, I don't hate her. And I don't think people should insult her appearance. I think you should talk about her policies. And because I said yeah, those yeah. positive things about her, he wouldn't have me on. And I was fine with it. I'm like, you know, oh. I could take it or oh, leave wow. it. But it's yeah. interesting because because I've been on InfoWars and because so many people I know have been on there, mostly, you know, mm-hmm. Second Amendment supporters, um, women, blacks, you know, <laughs> Hispanics. So he's not a racist. It's not it's not it's right. the, the Sandy Hook stuff that I think is really problematic for him. Um mm-hmm. But you know, Kimberly, I just, the thing for me is I don't have to agree with his speech. I, I do not like the things that Farrakhan says, but when oh, you no. talk about banning folks, you know, it's just, they're just one step away from hitting somebody like me because I'm a Christian conservative and I believe in, you know, traditional marriage. And I think the transgender movement is a crock. And you know, so I, mm-hmm. those views alone are yeah. enough to put me in the same basket with them. Um, I think we're we're at a place where we might have to decide that we're going to leave as opposed to waiting for them to boot us off. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, it is sad, and you're right. You know, as what people might feel about Alex Jones, he is not a racist. Louis yeah. Farrakhan has said uh, that he doesn't want women in his presence in some places. He said that <laughs> gays are going to hell. You know what I mean? These are things that he has said. And yeah. put him in that same category, you know, as InfoWars or, or even Velo. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. But, mm. you know, that's how they're going to try to say, okay, well, if we get rid of these guys. Uh, Kimberly, thank you so much for joining us today. Stacy Washington, we'll be right back. This is Uncommon Moments. Here's former Super Bowl winning NFL coach Tony Dungy and his wife Lauren sharing from their book, Uncommon Marriage. Tony is analytical like his dad. He'll say, we can do this, and here's how we should go about it. As a result, his plans usually turn out well. We are opposites in a number of ways, but we've learned to respect and navigate our differences. One thing you can do to discover the unique differences between you and your spouse is to talk with their family. As Lauren interacted with my family over the years, she learned more about me. 
I did the same with her family. This helped me see how Lauren was wired. I realized how special and wonderful she was. And I was able to learn things about Tony that really helped in our uncommon marriage. Tony and Lauren Dungy, authors of Uncommon Marriage, learning about lasting love and overcoming life's obstacles together. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. Bishop Vincent Matthews. Every one of my children have gone to college uh, that are in college on an wow. academic scholarship. And we taught them in our home. So reevaluate wherever you bought your hair or got it done. <laughs> one day it's going to be out of style. But your heritage is not just for what am I going to do today. It's for your children's 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 children. The Marriage, Family and Life Conference is coming June 20th through the 22nd. Learn more and register at UrbanFamilyTalk.com. There's a particular reason why there is a Back to God radio show. It was about four years ago, God called me out of the pulpit and said, Dexter, I need you to go tell my people it's time for them to get back to God. Back to my morals, back to my values. This is the thing that you're supposed to do simply because you belong to the Most High God. It's the least that you can do for a God that loves you the way that He does. Time to get back to God. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central on Urban Family Talk. It's Fox Wheels. Marking tires to enforce parking rules is like entering property without a search warrant. That from a federal appeals court last week, which declared the practice unconstitutional after a woman who received more than a dozen $15 tickets in Saginaw, Michigan, sued. The judges ruled that the purpose of marking tires was to raise revenue, not to protect the public against a safety risk. The decision sets a new standard for Michigan, Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee. The state's covered by the 6th District. German automaker Daimler says it has no idea how North Korean leader Kim Jong-un got Mercedes stretch limousines that he was seen traveling in, including a Mercedes Maybach S600 Pullman Guard and a Maybach S62. In his recent visit with Russian President Vladimir Putin and earlier summits with President Trump, such luxury items are banned under UN sanctions of the country. That's Fox Wheels. I'm Jeff Manasso, Fox News. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey there, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. You can find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com. Hit the subscribe button over there. You will not regret it. I don't sell your emails. I don't. I'll do anything with them, but email you occasionally about cool stuff that's going on. And you can also find out more at onenewsnow.com, our news and information site for American Family Association. We'd love you to hit the subscribe button over there as well. All right. Uh, right now, it's my pleasure to welcome Liz Harrington. She's the RNC national spokesperson. Hey, Liz, thanks for joining in today. Hey, how are you? I'm pretty good. It's Friday. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for the weekend. Me too. Yeah, after this week, news wise, family wise, I'm like, I need to slow down just a tad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It can be draining. At least you're not in DC in the swamp, you know. Oh, (laughs) I know. You guys got to get out into the burbs or something where there's some grass and get away from those people. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) you've got, I'm, I'm dying to hear your take on the bar testimony. He was so, he was strong this week. He was unfazed, unflappable. He was um, Cheney-esque. I've seen people comparing him to Dick Cheney. 
which is quite a compliment if you think about someone who has an iron will and is never, ever ruffled by the Democrats. Absolutely. He is restoring some integrity uh, to the Justice Department. He's actually a professional and doing things by the book and doing everything legal and everything from the entire release of this thing. This whole controversy is such a fake controversy. I mean, we're talking about like some scandal of what he did when he released the entire report to the Republic, (laughs) to the public. I mean, what are we talking about here? And so, of course, you watch this really disgraceful showing of the Democrats. I mean, including the 2020 contenders, just smearing this man because he followed the exact justice. Actually, he changed Justice Justice Department guidelines to release the whole thing and also consulted with the special counsel with the redactions, gave the special counsel the opportunity to look at his four-page letter uh, he declined, and so what is what do you, what did they do? This, they did what the swamp does. So they type up a letter that they can leak to their friends in the media and the Washington Post later to weaponize against him. And it, it but it holds no water because when you read the actual Mueller letter, uh, it says he didn't object to how the attorney general was characterizing his findings. He was objecting to the narrative. And isn't that what this whole thing has always been about? They've been spinning this media narrative with the friends in the media, with the Democrats for two years. And now they're losing that narrative because there's no collusion and there's no Russia story. Mm -hmm. So they're freaking out. And that's why you see the leaks in the the Washington Post. You see the leaks in the New York Times. They're finally covering the spy scandal, which was always the real story here. And I think they're scared. So that's why they're smearing this attorney general. And but they're making them uh, they're embarrassing themselves in the process. So, you know, Liz, I'm wondering because I've seen some rumblings on Twitter and, and other just some websites about um, the investigations that are ongoing into kind of the beginning. So the dossier, which w- should never have been a lawful basis for a FISA, FISA warrant or a FISA application, right. but it was. And so you've got the Republicans looking into that. And it, it's like a Pandora's box. If if everything I've read about the the dossier, its sourcing, its connection to the Clinton campaign. And then if you read the text messages between um, the the lovebirds and the FBI, and then the connection between the lady who worked at Fusion GPS, I think her name's Nellie Orr, and her husband who worked for the FBI, if if I'm getting all their their stuff in a row. If if all of that stuff's true and not like, you know, tinfoil stuff, him opening the door could destroy... I mean, we're talking this goes all the way up to the the top. We, Obama was the president at that point, and he knew this was going on as well. It, this is the reason why we have Maisie Hirano literally calling the worst kinds of smears and names from that panel to Barr. She, she defamed him. She just it was so unbelievably unsenatorial, un, un, uncongressional. It was just it was it was just unbelievable. Right. That's where this is coming from. 
Yeah, it was shameless, and it's she can't even, I guess, come up with her smears herself. She's reading them off of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's unbelievable. Absolutely right. We have to get to the bottom of this. And you have Hillary Clinton on Rachel Maddow's show the other night calling for a 9-11 commission on the Russia story. Never mind how offensive it is to compare her election defeat to the most horrific terrorist attack on American soil in history. Never mind that, but okay, let's let's have a another report on this because it all goes back to her. It mm-hmm. all goes back to her and her misinformation, her disinformation from Russian sources that they paid for, spreading rumors and innuendo and gossip that was false about our president for, while he was running and then after she lost using it to infiltrate his transition team. I mean, that that story in the New York Times is just stunning that they had an FBI informant, not just before the campaign, like during the campaign, which is bad enough, but while the president was in the White House in 2017, Stefan Halter was in the White House for meetings and was he reporting back to the FBI. I mean, this thing stinks. It goes all the way to the top because, you know, Strzok and Page texted each other that Obama wanted to know mm-hmm. everything they were doing. Mm-hmm. We know that there was an Oval Office meeting on January 5th, 2017, between Obama, Biden, Jim Comey, Sally Yates, uh, Susan Rice. And Susan mm-hmm. Rice then emailed herself that we are doing this by the book, quote unquote, on inauguration day. I mean, this was so, this is so stunning. This was all a setup. I mean, you see it so clearly in this New York Times story, and it's what they've been doing for two years. I mean, they accuse the Russians, right, of information warfare against our political, pol- internal politics. No, they, they may have tried. But the, our own CIA, our own intelligence community, did, did information warfare against our own people, our own their own political enemies, their own government. John Brennan, Jim Clapper, this whole thing is such a disaster. It is so scandalous, and, and there needs to be accountability. People need to be. I mean. We have to get the, the inspector general report out, and there's got to hmm. be criminal referrals here because they've been illegally leaking and lying to the American people, upending lives. I mean, George Papadopoulos, his life ruined. Carter Page, they can't, where do they go to get their names back? It's so shameful, and we have to, have to, have to get all the truth out there, and I believe it's coming very soon. So you so perfectly summed up all of it. And, and there, it's such a tangled web of individuals yeah. who are all it, they're all in the same silo in my mind, Liz, because they're all in the Obama administration. They're always they're all working on the same side to try to protect Hillary Clinton to ultimately protect mm-hmm. Barack Obama, who uh, up until this, like even to this day, you and I are talking. We're we've said his name a couple of times. But for the most part in the media, no, even with leave, these revelations now. They leave him out. He, right. It's as if he's untouchable. And in the America that I served in the military to support and defend the Constitution of the United States, and my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, my husband, so many other combat veterans, I never saw combat, but others who you and I both know, these are people whose names we know, and, and so many millions of others whose names we'll never know, who gave their lives mm. for this country or served or left parts of themselves over in the Middle East and other theaters of war. 
none of us stood up for this country to have unequal government, to have unequal system of laws where some people are untouchable because they wear $12,000 house dresses like Hillary and others of us are prosecuted to within an inch of our life like Papadopoulos. And so I, I'm, I'm just so I, I, I need all of us need as Americans to see this inspector general report that you mentioned and on the conclusion of the investigation that brings people to justice because we don't have that system of laws. We have blind justice here in America. And as long as we're alive and breathing, we should be working and fighting to make sure that we keep that, even if it's imperfect, but we want to keep it as close to what we were promised by the founders as we can. That's exactly right. And that equality under the law, that's what it always was about with the founding. That's what equality means. And you cannot have a Justice Department that is so distorted and they put all the weight of authority and extreme power. I mean, imagine them grilling uh, Carter Page, Papadopoulos, others, Flynn, they entrapped Flynn as well. Every they had every resource available to them, and they still couldn't find any collusion. I mean, it's unbelievable. But these people ruin lives. They totally covered up for Hillary. I mean, you just can't have a Justice Department that investigates one candidate, mm-hmm. completely gives her a pass, uses the language of the campaign and Loretta Lynch calling it a matter and not an investigation. Exonerated her before they interviewed her, gave everyone and their mother immunity. <laughs> Let Hillary Clinton have her attorney uh, or her closest aide, Cheryl Mills, sit in on the FBI interview. In the as she was a witness, but she was mm-hmm. got to sit in as her attorney. So of course there's attorney-client privilege. They bent all the rules for her to give her a pass because it would have indicted. The Obama administration. Obama emailed. He emailed with Hillary on that bathroom server. So, look, it was a complete pass. And then you had these anti-Trump zealots, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, who hated not just him, his voters, and half of the American people with just disdain. And they had so much power. And our useful idiots in the in the media have been doing their bidding for over two years, they're still doing it. They're still implying that Russia affected the outcome of the election when everyone knows <laughs> not a single vote was changed. It's absolutely appalling, and it should make every American upset, and we, we cannot let this happen. And one more thing about the Obama administration, we shouldn't be surprised that they did this, because this is their MO. They did it with the IRS against the Tea Party in 2012. They did it with the State Department against Bibi Netanyahu in his re-election in 2015. Oh, yeah. And they did it with the Justice Department against the Trump campaign. It's sick. It is a complete abuse of power. It is so scandalous. And it is, I think, the biggest political scandal in our history. I think so, too. And um, I'm so glad that we have the ability to have you come on and join us. We're uh, we're we're getting to be close friends, you and I, Liz. Absolutely, we're having, we're having our time I love together on your show. I love <laughs> it when you come on. So thank you, thank you for your time today. I know we were a little short notice, but I was like, I need some bar. I need some fresh bar commentary, and um, I got oh, totally yeah. hooked up. You you helped us out today. So um, have a fantastic weekend, and thanks for coming on. You too. Thank you so much. All right. That was Liz Harrington. She is the RNC national spokesperson, and she is just so well-versed in this whole story. 
And I agree with her that we have had just an, it's been an amazing thing to watch this story unfold. And I, I sincerely hope and pray that we're going to see justice. Uh, nothing less will do. Nothing less than full justice. And I, I know, you know, there, there are some people out there who are like, well, you know, it's over now. Let it go. Well, I, I don't know. I think that what happened to some of the people that, you know, uh, Carter Page, the Papadopoulos family, um, Roger Stone and his family, I know that nobody has perfectly clean hands, but there are people who honestly, they were just as innocent of Russian collusion and uh, obstruction, but they were caught up and they were forced into these plea deals and, and all of that. Why? Why did they have to sacrifice themselves? Because they helped out with the campaign that the Democrats hate? Remember, whatever we condone, we're setting ourselves up to experience that as well. And so we don't want to be on the side of saying, well, it already happened and we just want to move on and let, leave people swinging. We want to see justice done here. And I know it's really annoying for people. I get the, I get the emails and stuff from people who are like, oh, I can't believe you brought up Hillary Clinton's emails again. Well, why don't you get your hands on some classified information and email it to someone who does not share the clearance and see how fast the, the feds come down on you like a ton of bricks and see how quickly your lawyer who is not nearly well qualified enough to deal with a team from the Department of Justice is trying to negotiate a plea deal for you that involves you going to prison. That's what we're talking about here. I know someone who accidentally forwarded an email from work and was literally within like five minutes of the email going out. He literally was in the commander's office standing there explaining himself for for real people. That's not an option and it shouldn't be an option for Hillary Clinton. Otherwise, what are all of these millions, millions of Americans supporting and defending the Constitution and abiding by classified protocol? Why are they doing that? All right, y'all. If you're leaving now, you got the weekend, baby. God bless. Have a fantastic weekend. If you're sticking around, One News Now, News and Information is up next.